0: Want more control over your life? You need more control over your money. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky, and that's why I started the Her Money podcast. From understanding your money personality to taking steps to earn more, spend wisely, invest for tomorrow, and protect it all, I can help you get there. So join me, subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where moxie meets mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing important distinctions for highly sensitive people and recovering survivors. Many highly sensitive people do well in school. What I've learned is that highly sensitive people love the clear expectations of a syllabus or a teacher saying, hey, study this chapter and we will have a test. There is a simplicity of instruction here that helps us navigate a classroom. Over the years when I've taken new therapy or coaching clients, often what I say is I won't give you the syllabus that you want for this experience because life does not give us the syllabus, y'all. It doesn't tell us clearly what to study to pass the tests of life. We have to figure that out as we go. I graduated high school in 1998 and I know one of the chief complaints from my generation and many others older and younger is that we reached adulthood feeling woefully unprepared not having garnered lessons to help us figure out our best life. This is in part what keeps me doing this show for the seeker who is working to figure themselves out, to bring more peace and more ease, more joy into this one precious life. And those of you who are parents, I know that you are parenting with great intention to prepare your children so that when they hit their late teens, their early 20s, they feel more prepared for this life. What I have for you today are some distinctions that I have found are useful to highly sensitive people and people in recovery and self-development as they're figuring out life. Because we don't get a syllabus or instruction manual for this life, no one ever really tells us which chapters to study to get a good grade on this life test. Maybe because there is no test, no teacher that doles out a grade for life. Life is the actual test. Life is the experience that grows us. We are being graded by life, maybe every moment. Like a baby learning how to walk who must start out wobbly. I want recovering people to know that when you feel wobbly, When you are wobbly with this life, wobbly with your recovery, wobbly with your growth, trying to figure it out, this is not you getting it wrong. This is not you getting life wrong. It's not wrong for you to wobble. Just like that wobbly baby growing from the crawling stage to the walking stage, then to the running stage, nothing is wrong about wobbling. Keep going, keep moving, keep learning, keep growing, keep coordinating your physical muscles, your emotional muscles, increasing understanding until you can emotionally walk and then emotionally run in this one precious life. I engage life believing, choosing to believe that life happens for me, not to me to show me my own growth edges and where I can work right now to better my life, to grow my life. I can meet my growth edges, my personal life challenges with resistance, with pouting, with anger at the unfairness of it all. I can let my inner adolescent or my inner child tantrum and rage. I can nurture frustration and upset or... I can choose to use my precious energy to accept, to even embrace the challenge and the inherent lesson that is there to teach me, to grow me. These are the lessons of life, y'all. These are lessons that I often will not know is a lesson until after having moved through a difficult experience, the lesson clarifies as I get to the other side not necessarily during the struggle. My whole life changed once I understood that I had the power to choose how I respond to life. I wanted to meet challenges with curiosity and grace, which is so much easier for my body and mind to experience instead of fighting life's natural and sometimes unfair challenges. Here are some important distinctions that I find essential for a highly sensitive person to navigate this life and navigate it well. And this, of course, is not a full list by any means. It's just a start. If you like this episode, I'll get some feedback from y'all on Patreon, and I'll do more helpful adulting distinctions. So this is a very, very important distinction. Help versus enabling. Now, many of you out there listening to Emotional Badass, like me, you are a recovering people pleaser. You are a recovering codependent. And that distinction between help and enabling is not clear in dysfunctional families of origin. So let's define help. Help is an assist. It's a helping hand extended. Too much help robs another person of their agency and emotionally drains the person attempting to be the helper here. Let's think about a very typical scenario between parent and child. Let's think about homework. If I'm parenting a child, this is a very important distinction. Am I helping them with their homework or am I enabling them to not do their homework? If I overhelp a child with their homework, then I leave help and I enter enabling. By doing my child's homework for him, by giving him too many answers, by giving him too much of what I consider help, instead of supporting him in his own struggle to figure it out, helping him break down the steps so that he can figure it out and do it himself, If I give him the answers so that he feels good about himself in this specific moment and gets a good grade, I haven't really helped him. I've enabled him to not learn the lesson in that homework, not just the lesson the homework attempted to teach on history or math or whatever, but I robbed him of the experience of working through his emotional muscles to strengthen his emotional muscles so that he knows that he is capable of figuring out whatever he is tasked with figuring out. Enabling robs him of the exercise, and that's what we need to grow ourselves, to develop. We need exercises with the right stuff, y'all. We don't want to rob anyone of the experience of sticking with something like homework so that that child can learn that The effort that he puts into figuring it out, even if it's the hardest subject for him, earning the grade that he earns, which shows him where to focus his efforts moving forward and prepares him for this life where he's going to meet so many challenges where he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't know how to figure it out. And he needs those muscles He needs to trust his own muscles to be able to figure it out, to meet the challenges of life head on. Help that robs someone of their growth experience is not help, it is enabling. Often the enabler is believing that they're putting effort into helping another when really and truly they're putting effort into helping themselves feel codependently comforted by enabling their kid to avoid the muscle-building task at hand, his homework. And it's so uncomfortable for a codependent person to watch someone else in their human struggle, often because they were parentified, they didn't have another adult to see them and help them in their struggles so they overfunction, over trying to save people from the very struggles that would actually help them grow into a more functional competent and confident human being in codependency recovery we learn to stop enabling we learn to look at and question our own selves did someone ask me to help am i overstepping before anybody even asked me for my two cents here what is this propensity in me to overfunction and save someone from the exercises that help them grow stronger? Am I trying to save my own inner child in an effort that doesn't really land for the human being that's in front of me that I'm projecting onto? We want to learn in codependency recovery that we can tolerate Witnessing healthy struggle and that to save someone from their healthy struggle is actually to thwart their progress, to rob them of their own self-development, growing mental and emotional muscles of focus, of handling hard things, of sticking with something until we get to the other side. These are very important skills These grow determination and no excuses mentality, no wiggling out of personal responsibility. These are skills that help us complete hard tasks. And in completing hard tasks, we grow our self-esteem. Because after a difficult task is done, we feel a sense of accomplishment. We feel a surge of self-esteem, a surge of a self-message that says, wow, I can do things that I once thought I couldn't do. What an amazing feeling of accomplishment. What a fulfilling feeling. What a self-propelling, forward motion, life-affirming, muscle-growing experience. By easing the discomfort of something like a homework moment, or taking over somebody's chore of washing the dishes after dinner this week, or maybe picking up my child's room for him. I can easily rob him of the self-esteem and worth available to him to earn by being encouraged to complete these tasks versus helping him avoid them. That's not a help. We need these muscles for life, y'all. To not give up. To move through angst to understand that we can tolerate discomfort and we can find solution in the struggle instead of permission to quit. And completing a task is something we're going to have to do countless times in this life. Don't let yourself or your children wiggle out of this reality because you're enabling a sort of anti-resilience instead of facilitating a resilience. If you grew up with addiction in your caretakers, if you grew up with one parent or a few adults over-functioning while other family members under-functioned, then admit to yourself that help and enabling were very confused and convoluted for you growing up. Here's a hint to understand your family dynamic when it comes to codependency that confuses help with enabling. Ask yourself, which people, the big time doers in my family, do they hold resentments for what they've done and how they help people? If you have resentful helpers in your family of origin, that's a really big clue. If you have martyrs, oh, I do so much for so many other people and nobody does anything for me. Woe is me. Play those tiny violins. If you come from this dynamic, likely you will benefit from considering this very important distinction between help and enabling. Here's a check-in question for you, for yourself, and for people in your world. Did they ask me for help? And if the answer is no, what are we doing in that moment? Did I just insert myself into somebody else's struggle or dilemma? without an invitation how does that feel if somebody inserts themselves into my struggles without an invitation do i like that is that how i want to show up in my world for other people is that useful or helpful or right for me do i often complain about being exhausted if that's true why am i helping when i'm not even asked Are you aware that if you step into help without being asked that you send a message to the other person that basically says, hey, I don't really believe that you're capable of doing this. I also don't believe that you're capable of speaking up and asking me for help if and when you need it. Also, this is a commentary that I need to be needed in this moment, which makes your struggle about me. And I'm inserting myself so that I feel useful and purposeful. And I might not know how to feel useful and purposeful on my own if I'm not doing my version of this type of help slash enabling. So I'm helping myself feel needed when I step in and help you. That's why I get so offended if you don't want my help because my identity of being a helper is wrapped up in helping you. And the sad side effect of this codependent process for the person that I'm convincing myself that I am helping so helpfully is that I rob them of their potential growth moments. And that thought never occurs to me when I am deep in my codependency or deep in my enabling. Sometimes I challenge my enabling clients to ask people they love, do you find my help helpful or intrusive or smothering? It's a very vulnerable and brave question to ask. And often when we don't want to ask it, it's because we already know the answer. Here's another question. Would you appreciate my help here or no? We can invite people very easily to accept our help and very easily to reject it. And when we do so, we're really standing in the integrity of what help actually is intended to be. Helpful. We can also ask people in our worlds, hey, would you tell me if I slip into automatically trying to help you without asking? I'm working on protecting my energy just a little bit more, a little bit better. The truth about help is that help tends to honestly feel helpful. And if you feel put upon, smothered, by someone's help, or don't want the help of another person. Just explore this dynamic, your relationship, your family's relationship with help and enabling. What beliefs are you bringing to these interactions from your past? Do you overfunction for others? Do you feel taken for granted, taken advantage of? If so, why do you keep doing the same type of helping over and over again if you feel used and it feels icky? How can you own your own part here? Here's another very useful distinction. Judgment versus discernment and confidence versus arrogance. These are the two I'm going to share with you in this episode. If a little green alien fell out of the sky right now, And I told this little green alien to learn about judgment and ego on social media. I think they would come back to me saying that they learned judgment is 100% all bad all the time. And they'd learn that what humans do is mostly judge each other. They'd also learn that all ego is bad. So I have been forever fascinated that as humans... We are not directly taught about judgment and our human egos during elementary school. Our human egos have a propensity to harshly judge, y'all. I think it's connected to a survival strategy from times past where we just had to make some snap judgments to save our lives. We had to just harshly judge some stuff to keep going, to keep living. In modern society, I don't think it's as useful. And it wears on us, wears on our mental health, wears on our energy reserves. It can be very low vibe. When we are judging, it's as if we are being our own energy vampire. This harsh judgment we can learn to steer away from. If I judge you harshly, I'm making you other than me. I'm othering you. I can only really judge you harshly if and when I other you. If and when I convince myself that I am something different than you, you are something totally different than me. I other you when I judge you harshly, and that makes me feel above you. And it gives me permission to dehumanize you. We have ego because we need ego, y'all. Ego is not this bad thing to shame. It's part of our humanity. It's part of what has helped us survive over time. The example I want to give you here is my therapeutic work with rape victims over the years. If I see someone clinically who has been kicked down by the abusive experience of rape or multiple sexual assaults, part of what I'm gauging as a mental health professional tasked with caring for them and with them and helping them find the care that they need to offer themselves, part of what I'm gauging is their ego strength. And this is a term I don't know if I've ever seen this acknowledged on social media. Ego strength. Of course, physical wounding takes physical caretaking and recovery. So psychological wounding takes emotional care and recovery. And this actually means sometimes building up our ego strength. We need a certain amount of ego to be resilient, to know that we count and we matter, that we get to be important to ourselves in our own one precious life, and as part of society on this planet, that we are worthy of love, respect, safety, and care. It is our ego strength that holds these truths for us. So many survivors and highly sensitive people have endured the wrath of narcissism that often people needing to work on ego strength because they've been so beaten down by narcissism or abuse will resist ego strength building out of fear that they will turn into the very narcissists that hurt them. Now, I can agree that narcissists present with way too much ego even if and when the deeper hidden truth there is that people with narcissism tend to feel very empty. It's why they have to one up and better themselves above everyone else because they feel so empty. When we are full of worth on the inside, we don't have to make anybody less than us. We need to understand judgment versus discernment And confidence versus arrogance when it comes to our human egos. Especially if you have survived manipulation, we must practice discernment in the road to recovering ourselves and being a healthy, grounded, securely attached human being. When I look up the definition of discernment, these are the definitions I find. The ability to judge well. Here's a more spiritual definition of discernment. Perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. We need, and I'm not using need incorrectly here. We need to give ourselves permission to discern our worlds, our interactions, our inner self-talk, and our interpersonal relationships, we must discern on the path to taking great care of ourselves. Here's a real-life example from my personal life. I intentionally discern, I don't judge, but I discern the amount of drama new people in my personal life bring into my world. The amount of drama that they have around them in how they speak and how they interact with others. I discern this because my goals for myself are largely about peace and purpose. Other people's drama takes my energy from my life and my purpose and I don't want it. I'm very supportive of my friends when life creates chaos or drama. I intentionally discern the difference between life creating drama and people manufacturing their own chaos and drama. I don't judge it harshly. I understand it deeply. I have a lot of compassion for it. Many people have an unrecognized inner child at the helm of their lives. Many people aren't interested in self-reflection and doing work to grow themselves into more maturity and less drama. I'm drawn into that work. I very deeply understand and accept that so many of my fellow humans are just not drawn into this work. They're not interested in it. I am so cool with other people living with their chaos that they choose because it's their choice. It's their karma. It's their lives. And they get to live however they see fit and they get to make choices to continue their lives exactly how they see fit. I get to be discerning in my own life. Harsh judgment isn't necessary. It's not needed. And when we grow up with harsh judgment, what we realize in recovery is oh, I was taught to judge. I wasn't taught to discern. This is where I can grow myself now. Now, sometimes I'm disappointed when I'm investing in a potential new friendship or relationship. I'm disappointed when I hoped that I was working on a low drama friendship that could really be someone that could be on my first or third rows of the theater of my life. I'm disappointed. I'm sad if I learn through the learning process that they're more connected to drama than what I want from my life. That's real. That's authentic. Practicing discernment isn't some kind of magical spell that. Eradicates my emotional process with what I discern. I acknowledge and release that disappointment, that sadness, that bummed out vibe. I'm aware that life throws enough organized chaos at each of us over a lifetime that I'm not going to invite people who seem to create their own drama into my inner world. That's a boundary. This discernment helps me honor my principles. Helps me honor my own energy as an empath and helps me honor the balance that I need as a trauma therapist, as a life coach that helps people deal with very heavy things. Some of the hardest things that anybody can encounter in this life. I'm in charge of managing my energy. Other people are not in charge of managing their drama for me. That acceptance helps me connect with my personal responsibility there so that I am in integrity with myself and my self-care. So this leads me into the very important distinction between confidence and arrogance. And I cannot be clearer on this point, y'all. I want to get up on the rooftops and shout this. Some of you, many of you listening will change your lives, your frequency, your vibration, your energy, your mood and your feelings of fulfillment if you allow yourself to grow in confidence. I cannot tell you how many highly sensitive people have spoken with me about being scared, frightened, resistant to feeling confident, proud of themselves, their own accomplishments, proud of where they are today versus where they were last month, last year, 10 years ago. There is a resistance to feeling capable, to being able to honor and acknowledge where you figured out how to be more effective in your life. Highly sensitive people have a resistance to owning their skills. For fear of coming across as arrogant, being pegged a know-it-all, obnoxious. They're scared of being accused of gloating, Or having a fat head, as we say in the U.S. I haven't heard this in a while, but I grew up with this phrase, being too big for your britches. If you were too proud, too confident. I wish I could show you the compilation of stumped, confused faces that I can play like a video in my mind, like a movie reel. Of the human beings who have sat with me stumped. When I said, so what's the difference to you between... Confident and arrogant. This is just one of those things that, unless someone asks you this question, we rarely realize as highly sensitive people recovering that we're having this inner struggle of both wanting to be proud of ourselves, wanting better self esteem, wanting to feel more peace, more ease, more competence, more confidence. And yet we ourselves blocking ourselves from those very feelings for fear of being arrogant, for fear of turning narcissistic. I have had to learn how to be proud of myself while letting go of my inner child's fears that I would turn into an arrogant asshole. Low self esteemed people have this fear, not highly esteemed individuals. And what a trap this is because the very people who will not get obnoxious fat heads, or walk the earth with an air of grandiosity, like, hello, aren't you thrilled to be able to meet me and kiss my hand and kiss my ass for good measure too while you're at it? The very people who would not walk the earth like this are also the ones so needing to step into their worth and step into their confidence and are too often seated and stuck, mired down in their own low self-worth. The fact that so many other people could take a healthy half step or full step back from their own over arrogance is not a reason for you to not step into reasonable worth, reasonable confidence, acknowledgement of your gifts because your gifts are yours. How about some acknowledgement for your strengths as a human being because damn it, you have some? It's not a dirty secret. It's not something to hide. Other people who have their own healthy dose of confidence are not threatened that you have skills, that you have natural gifts and strengths that you have cultivated and grown into. If you are a seeker, if you are a highly sensitive person, if you are a survivor that's walking a healing path... Learn the difference between confidence and arrogance. And please give yourself permission to learn to live life, to feel and be confident for your adult self and for that sweet inner child, that little girl or little boy you once were so very long ago. She or he deserves to step into the light of her or his life. Do not block her. Do not block him from knowing her or his worth. Let yourself be confident. Let yourself step into some competence. You get to be competent. So here's my recap of this episode. Distinguish between help and enabling. Distinguish between judgment and discernment. Find that difference between confidence and arrogance and you will grow your emotional IQ come support the show and come check out last week's Patreon-exclusive live stream Q&A on Expecting Expectations. Because our relationship with our own expectations, this relationship is responsible for a lot of our joy or a lot of our misery and struggle. So come expand your emotional intelligence and support the work of this show. One of the things that is happening behind the scenes is that because of the things that I talk about, I use the words that social media and algorithms and AI are starting to ding content creators for. So increasingly our show and all of the content that we put out on every platform is being suppressed. Most recently we found out that I was suppressed because I used the word molester in something that I released. Y'all have been marketing this show from the beginning. I am talking about topics that a lot of people do not want. I have been turned down for guest appearances because they do not want me talking about incest. They do not want me talking about sexual abuse. Yes, even people out of Hollywood after Me Too that don't want these hard topics. So weirdly, we are in a time where everything can be shown, but I'm getting dinged for this content. If you think this episode or any episode, any of our content will directly help someone, please send it, please spread it, please send it along. We really do need your help to get above how these algorithms ding this content. I am here to talk about the real things that affect us. So thank you for all efforts. I know how busy all of you are. I know how overwhelmed, overstimulated, especially if you're trying to heal. Thank you for any and all efforts there. Here are the different levels that you can come join Patreon to support our show. At the $2 a month level, you get access to all the monthly episode discussions, polls, and exclusive wellness graphics. At the $5 a month level, you get 70 exclusive commercial-free episodes and a new one every single month and all the previous rewards. At the $10 a month level... You get all of our exclusive 70-plus hours of content, live stream videos, and access to the monthly live stream where you can ask questions and have them answered on the live stream by me. You get all the previous rewards. The December live stream topic is enoughness, the good enough principle. I know so many of you are out there struggling about what is it to actually feel good enough? How do I grow into that? Come hang out with me in the December Patreon exclusive live stream. Ask your question and you will see the very deep, very personal, very vulnerable questions our Patreon supporters offer every single month. So come join us at patreon.com slash emotional badass. One of the other things you get for being a Patreon member is a shout out. I want to give a big shout out to our new patrons. Thank you, Rick. Mark, Rose, Dina with an E, -E D-E-N-A. I want to thank L, just the letter L, Robin, Rochelle, and Karen with an I. Thank you to all our Patreon members. Thank you so very much for continuing to support the content of this show. There is rarely a day where we don't get a thank you that this show has saved somebody's life. So thank you so much for sharing it. To sign up and become a patron, come to patreon.com slash emotional badass. We are proud to be a part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Explore Airwave Media to check out some of their amazing shows, Light and Love. I am an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I will see you right here next time for a brand new episode just for you. Light and love and take care. Bye-bye.